Hi there, and welcome to the Creative Operations Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Groom, and in this podcast, we'll be talking with creative operations leaders in all kinds of industries, from franchising to finance, from healthcare to hospitality and beyond. We'll be looking to uncover best practices and to see trends that are coming to help you keep your creative operations on brand and on budget at the same time. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Creative Operations Podcast 2.0. I'm your host, Kevin Groom, and today I'm here uh, with Kendall Kranz, who's an associate in content and events at Publicist Constellation Group. And we're going to have a a chat about the role both of content and copy in an ever-changing MarTech environment, and also where is that environment moving over the next three to five years based on where it's been over the past many, many more years than that. So this is a real future-looking episode uh, that focuses on probably the oldest thing in marketing and advertising of all, the content itself. Let's start with a little bit of our journey question. Our, Our audience always loves to hear a little bit about how you came into this world of creative operations. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I started writing fiction. I began publishing when I was around 15 and then felt like that was a good avenue into trying copywriting to find a real adult job with health insurance. Um, I started at the ad tech company CallRail during a summer internship my between my freshman and sophomore year of college and never left. Um, I stayed on as a freelance copywriter, expanded my practice to other, I guess, avenues and verticals um, and just sort of have grown up in the industry. I've never considered doing anything else and I have loved copywriting every minute that I've had the opportunity to participate. That's awesome. You know, I started out myself as a copywriter and I always thought that, you know, copy was sometimes treated by designers as like a um, uh, just a design element. There wasn't really uh, always a full appreciation for the fact that the copy, whether it was the headline or the body copy or the concept itself, that that was really actually the guiding force behind the creative. Um, so I often felt in the early days of the advertising business, uh, as I knew them, uh, that copy was a little bit of a handmaiden to design. I think that happened a lot uh, because uh, there was a really a revolution going on in design at that time. But now there's a different revolution going on and you're right on the cusp of it. That's what I find interesting here. So talk to us a little bit about the role of copy, how it relates to concept and how you play that role in uh, in all the different kinds of media that you get uh, involved in. And, and tell us a little bit about that range because it's very different from the classic stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think starting out in SEO, doing content and thought leadership work for a brand that was very much focused on like small businesses and helping small agencies build better relationships with their clients was a great place to start because my introduction to copywriting was very much on the technical side. I was taught right off the bat about key search terms, um, SEO, best practices. I was Mm -hmm. given software to check my right, like day one, I was given software to check my writing against how well it would perform in search engines um, and taught how to do things like tearing down my blog posts and organizing pretty much anything to help us optimize. Um, And the idea of optimization is one that I think I have probably been trained on more than traditional copywriters. And my entire team, my staff right now, all has copy background. Um, But I found that I personally have been 
conversant, even in this as my first job with my supervisors, because that's now a basic expectation. I also think that there's a greater discussion now about sort of the subconscious impact of words, if that makes any sense, like the greater discussion around AAV and keeping things casual, as well as language endemic to communities. Since language is shifting and evolving and changing so quickly in digital communities, you have to really stay up to date on that to make sure you're not accidentally crossing over into a space that your brand hasn't yet considered. So it's really important to know what you're saying and think about it in the greater context of like our culture and cultural shifts because things are so integrated and so online. So you're pairing the idea of optimization with actively looking at what's going on around you. That's a, it's a really interesting point. I want to probe a little bit about that. You know, our audiences very often come from the following challenge, major brand, many, many locations, and many, many sort of stops along the way. So when you think about how that, uh, how content has to be tailored to the needs of the local community, I think you used a great phrase, language endemic to communities. I wanted to probe that a little bit. Do you guys do all of that work at headquarters or is there some adaptation and uh, translation, if you will, of copy as it moves from a concept all the way down to activation in a given local market or region? It might be international or it might even be here within the U.S., you know, from one state or city or, or community to another demographic. Do you guys see copy evolving a lot um, as it reaches the local market? Mm, well, I'm on a specifically local team. So my team serves the Samsung US division and I only work on mobile products, which means that my particular experience mm -hmm. is narrow because they have a very developed brand identity. So I think that example sure. is more driven by having someone in the room who can speak to what's going on online. Like for example, um, we did the Tonight Show Fortnite Metaverse game activation. And in order to write copy for that, you have mm -hmm. to understand what the metaverse is. You have to understand gaming terms and you have to be able to speak to gamers on their level. And you need to consult with people who do those things in order to do that naturally. However, I will preface this with our team is already staffed by people who are so excited about that and into that kind of culture. And that's why we do these projects, which is really lucky. Um, I would prompt teams who may not have that privilege to reach out to friends and family members in order to collate that feedback themselves. Because unless you're actively thinking about it, it's not going to work itself into the creative operations podcast. You're just going to keep thinking about optimization, SEO, and like traditional copy. A brand that does this really well is the Slim Jim comments. If you go on any America's Funniest Home video, and scroll down, Slim Jim will comment and they will be commenting in the language of a 20-year-old boy, which I find absolutely hilarious. I have some screenshots on my phone, if you give me a sec. Oh, where is it? Oh, sure. sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yes, it's probably, yeah. we don't mean to ever put you on this spot, but, no. but conceptually, you know, what you're doing is you're raising a, a really interesting point um, from a production. You know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about creative operations here. Uh, and so it sounds to me like the job of writing in the environment that you're in has become an interesting mix of communicating the concept, keeping in mind a bunch of algorithms that are operating in the background to make your concept discoverable, uh, but then also keeping an eye on authenticity. 
so that when that copy finally reaches its target, um, it, it lands with meaning and with impact, which is a, you know, a, a tremendously, you know, challenging thing to do, I would say. Did I, did I summarize yeah. that okay? Absolutely. Um, I agree. And also, it should feel like you're in conversation with the kind of person your brand is, because like your brand is a friend um, and you're thinking of what kind of friend they are. Who do you like? What do you go to them to ask? I would go to Starbucks mm. to ask for a new kind of drink. Um, so I want to try something new and exciting that is going to change up my day. And the copy should speak to that. And it should be that kind of conversational style because no one stops thinking while they're reading. And mm-hmm. speech is similar to copy because speech is a live version of copy. And like we developed written language in order to be able to pass on our messages to those that are not in the same moment as us. Like they have to be when they're speaking. That's also why we're recording this podcast, right? Like it's a way to transcend time. And so your copy is cementing that form of speech and conversation within a platform. And so you have to think about like how the person is conversant with the platform. And for me personally, I think that designers and copywriters should always work in tandem. And I also think that no one should ever design alone, right? Like feedback collation and feedback execution should be done in pairs. And this is something that I do in my freelance design. Like I'll sometimes just have a friend check me or things like that. Because when you finish putting together a website, you can't mentally like go back through and catch all of your mistakes. Um, And I think that when designers and copywriters are truly working together in harmony, the UX and the mm-hmm. copy should feed into each other mm. and empower each other. You know, it, it, when we, uh, uh, you know, would create design teams in the early days, and this is back before the, the internet, um, creating um, uh, something as simple as a print ad, it still had that pair. Right. The notion of laying out communications in a space was the technical challenge. Now, I think the technical challenge is laying out a concept and engaging an audience in a space that's three dimensional and that that extends and grows and changes over time. So we've added the dimensions. We've added multiple dimensions uh, to the creative challenge. So I want to get to another question that this leads me to. Mm -hmm. It's a fantastically uh, rich area that you're working in. Um, thinking about search, thinking about how uh, to use dialects, thinking about how to convey that concept uh, across many different media types. That's a fine art. I want you to think about that or ask this, answer this question for me. We've talked a lot about this, the democratization of creative. In our world, we see more and more creative getting done at the point of conception, or sorry, at the point of consumption, right? So the local marketer in a store, in a restaurant, in a, in, in a hospital is actually creating that content. Now, they're trying to do something that you spend your career doing. Right. You spend your time with a creative partner often, if not always, um, really mastering that science. How does a, this notion of the democratization of creative bump up against this notion that it really is a complex thing we're trying to do? And it's really easy to get it wrong. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. you could do something that um, uh, isn't authentic. You could do something that damages the brand unintentionally. How do we square those two things? Have you have you got any thoughts on that? I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, and are you a fan of Trader cool. Joe's? <laughs> Do you like Trader Joe's? I am indeed. I'm a huge fan of Trader Joe's. Only place I shop. Amazing. There's one down the street from me. Trader Joe's actually has a, um, an in-house sign artist. Every location does. 
And so I think that from my perspective, Mm -hmm. knowing that like that's necessary, right? Like if you want those beautiful handwritten signs, you have to engage those people. I love my job because I think that on a meta level, what I should be doing should be empowering that local work. If you are correctly writing your brand booklets, you are empowering those people to do better than you could do in their location. I think that it doesn't bump up against my work. I think it enriches it because they, yeah, they know more than I do about their hometown. Um, And to write that off would be to miss so many opportunities to like think and be creative and see something new. So let's say I were working on the Trader Joe's brand. I would absolutely want to get on a Zoom call and hear what they think like hasn't been said so far. Like what would their feedback be to the people higher up that we're missing because we're not on the ground? Um, So yeah, so that's my opinion. It's a great point. Positivity and empowerment is really what's going to help at the end of the day and helping people understand like the brand as a persona and a friend will lead to championing and enthusiasm and just like better integrated local work. Well, I can tell you, you know, from personal experience, we see um, the local marketers on our systems. And so across mm-hmm. our systems, there's probably several hundred thousand uh, local marketers of one kind or another. Here's what we're finding. Um, they're using social media um, because it's so closely connected to their communities. They really are trying to be that friend in the local market, mm-hmm. that representative or ambassador of the brand uh, at the local level. And you're absolutely right that they know more about that individual environment than anybody at headquarters could know. But here's what they don't know, what they don't have, and what they um, they need training on, or at least orientation to. All the science that you're talking about, how do I not only make my content relevant and make it immediate and make it authentic, but how do I make it discoverable? How do I live within the voice of the brand? That collaboration is what we're seeing more and more. And and the um, you know where the rubber meets the road, where the uh, again and again is in social media and digital. Um, the we see the media mix changing, right? Um, enriching, I would say, it's getting more and more um, uh, complex, complex, and have more and more pieces and parts to it. Uh, but the number one driver is social, and I think you know to get to our uh, my the last question I wanted to talk about. Yeah, you're uh, out there on the leading edge, the bleeding edge with metaverse. Um, <laughs> tell me a little bit about how gaming integration and metaverse is going to look in three years. How much of the marketing mix do you see that being, and is that going to change the way we communicate as well? So. I personally think everything is going to become more integrated um, into ecosystems, and I love that. For example, during the pandemic, Nike did an activation where you could scan a QR code and then flip your phone up to the sky and see a shoe-shaped cloud. So I'm pretty sure anyone in the country where they did the activation was able to go and engage and actually like get out and be a party to these things. So I'm personally hoping for in the next three years, the ability to cross AR into the real world more often and in more effective ways. In my college town, Providence, um, I used to work with the Holocaust Education Center a lot. And something that we floated was doing an AR tour with our Holocaust survivors. So finding a way to make an in-phone hologram for them. So for visitors to Toro Synagogue, which is one of the U.S.'s oldest synagogues, it's in Newport, I believe. And it is right in front of a park. Mm -hmm. So the idea that you could turn your camera to a park bench that maybe has like a bronze cast QR code in it and then see that survivor come to life and be able to tell their story. 
that's where I'm hoping this industry will go in that's three cool. years and where I intend to drive it. Um, because like the reason we have companies and we have brands is to provide value and organize humans into a greater work stream in order to do more and support each other. Otherwise, like, why are we doing this? So that's my idea with the metaverse. <laughs> Everyone can use it and it can empower people to tell their stories in a way that they couldn't before, especially with that democratization. Well, you know what? I'm taking a note, Kendall, that we are going to see if we can schedule you for the Creative Operations Podcast 4.0 in two or three years so we can find out how this is going. This has been a really uh, inspiring conversation to have, you know, to talk about content. And, and, you know, the point that I really loved was even though it is a high science and an art, and, and in many ways it has features to it that have just emerged in recent years, there is still the collaboration between the brand and its rules and its essence and tone and manner and the local execution. Uh, and that, that connection is vital. So thanks for bringing yes. that up for us. We really appreciate you spending the time with us today. Yes. Um, and I would say that my thanks. final message is to all hiring managers, hire the people you want to access. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's a great point. Uh, and I back that up 100%. Uh, thank you, Kendall. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Bye.